0: Alrighty, like he said, I'm extremely nervous, <laughs> like I am nervous more than I've been in a while, but I want to start off by thanking Pastor Allen and Pastor Michelle on letting me speak a little bit. Um, the, see, <laughs> I picked this sermon, I've done it before when I was in Bible college, But over the past few weeks, we've been talking about our authority and the words and all of that and the kingdom of God and stuff like that. And so when she asked me um, if I wanted to speak tonight, I was like, this goes hand in hand with uh, everything that we've talked about. So tonight, my title for uh, my message is, when the odds are against you, God is still there. And so... um, before I jump in, let's go ahead and pray real quick. God, I thank you right now that you've given me the opportunity to speak from my heart. I thank you that you're going to give me the confidence to do this boldly. I thank you right now that the words that I speak are not from me, but from you, God. And I thank you right now that if, it's, if this message is just for one person, that that person grabs onto it wholeheartedly and not take it for granted. And I just thank you for everything that you're going to do tonight, everything that you're going to do in the future, and I pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. So my first thing that I want as of our foundation is we serve a big God. Um, so I want to talk about two different people, two, two different situations in the Bible where the odds were against them. But they still went through with it, alrighty? So if we're ready, let's jump into the Bible. And uh, let's turn to 1 Samuel 17, chapter 17, verse 17. Ready? So it says, One day Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grains and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. And give them ten cuts of cheese to their captain. Yeah, give these ten cuts of cheese to their captains. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report so... On how they're doing, David's brothers were with Saul in the Israelites' army at the Valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as G, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israel as just as the Israel. Oh, my gosh. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistines' forces stood against each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from gath came out from the philistine wait yeah the philistine ranks then david heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of israel as soon as the israelites army saw him they began to run away in fright have you seen the giant the men asked he came out he came out each day to defy israel the king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him he will, give any, he will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. David asked the soldier standing, standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who's this pagan Philistine anyways that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply they said. Yes, that is the reward for killing them. But when David's oldest brother, Eliba, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyways, he demanded. What are these few sheeps? What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David re- replied. I'm only, asking, I'm only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same question and received the same, pa- the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Verse 32 says, Don't worry about this, Philistines. David, t- David told Saul, I'll go fight them." don't be ridiculous saul replied there's no there's no way you can fight the Philistine and possibly win you're only a boy, and he has been in, he has been a man of war since his youth. so the first person I want to talk about is little old David so in this uh, in what I just read um, I want to talk about. Some of the differences between the two. And so David, like it said, he's just a little boy. Um, let me see if... Never mind. And uh, Goliath was a grown man, someone that's been in war for a while. And he's a giant. And so... Um. In the NLT, in verse 4 of that chapter, it talks about him, uh, talks about Goliath being over nine feet tall. So David is this little boy, and he's about to go fight this nine-foot-tall dude, and realistically, Goliath is supposed to win. Like, that's a no-brainer. But then, I also want to point out that no one believed in David, his brother told him, What are you doing here? You don't belong over here. You're supposed to go watch those sheep. This is for this is for the big kids. They mocked him and they didn't believe him. And so naturally Goliath is supposed to win, right? But uh if you read on, it talks about how uh they try to put David into their armor and it didn't fit. Uh, he didn't fight with their weapons or anything like that. So what I got out of that is he didn't have his faith in the armor or in the weapons, but he had his faith in God and knew that God was on his side, right? And so he didn't care that this dude was nine feet tall. He was like, what, who, who does he think he is? And so... um. So that's my first person, okay? So my next set of people, I won't read all the scriptures or anything, but uh, I want to talk about Abraham and Sarah and having Isaac. And so, uh, but it all starts in Genesis 17. But there's a scripture in there that says that uh, Abraham is telling Sarah and Sarah laughs. And so, and I thought that was uh, something that, like, people in our generation would do. If you're a 90-year-old lady and your husband's 100 and he says, hey, we're about to have a baby. I'd be like, um, no, we're not. <laughs> and so uh, I looked it up in the New, in a New York Times uh Website, And the average lady, um, she's around 30 to 35 years that gives birth. And so Sarah was three times that age. And so Sarah was looking at through her natural eyes at that time of, I'm not having a baby. My body can't have a baby. And so... Like I said, she laughed about it because she knew she was too old to have a baby. But throughout this whole thing, God kept his promise. God was right there with her. God was faithful. And what ended up happening, she had the baby. And they named it Isaac, right? So I took this a little bit personal because I thought about what it What are the responses that she got if she went and told her friends or family, hey, God promised me that I'm about to have a baby? I thought about if, like I said earlier, if someone came up to me and said, oh, I'm 90 years old and I'm about to have a baby, I'm going to question her. I'm going to think she's a loony person because she's 90 years old and that's not possible. But that that, that was a promise that God gave her. God didn't give anybody else that promise besides her and Abraham. So what I took out of that was God may give me some promises that other people are going to think I'm crazy for believing in that. But I got to hold on to that promise because he gave me that promise. It may not happen today, tomorrow, this year, but I'm going to hold on to that promise until I see it come forth. And once it does come forth, I'm going to give thanks, All right? So if God gives you a promise, hold on to that promise until you see it come forth. Um, and so that brought me into another uh, thought of, um, let me see. So I thought about that and um, like people questioning her and stuff like that and throughout my life my biological dad wasn't in my life. And so I always struggled with what's wrong with me? What did I do wrong? Am I am I not worth something? Why did he leave me? So I always had those thoughts and then on top of that the dad is supposed to teach his son how to do certain things. So he can teach his son and stuff like that. Well, now I don't have that person in my life to teach me. But I have to get over those mindsets because even if he's not there, God is going to place people in my life to teach me how to do those things. And it's so true because I have uncles, I have my father-in-law that can teach me these things even though my real dad isn't there to teach me how to do those things. And so... In that situation, I've hit obstacles and I've hit challenges and things like that to where it should knock me down to where to think, oh, I'm not good enough to do it. I'm not good enough to do anything with my life. I'm supposed to be the next person that has kids and dips out on them. But I have to get over those mindsets of that. Oh, But um but then it also I have to get over those mindsets, but then I also have to realize life is life it 's up to you what you can do with it. Some people may have the best life may have both parents in their household and have the perfect life growing up, but it, For me, I didn't have both my biological mom and my real dad in my life. I have to make that decision of that's not going to hold me back. That's not going to put me in that same category, even though I have other people telling me, hey, you're going to be like your dad. Hey, you're not going to amount up to anything. And throughout the Bible, it never tells you that life is going to be an easy journey. It never tells you, oh, once you become a Christian, it's going to be all rainbows and sunshines. But throughout the Bible, you can see where God tells you, hey, it's going to be a bumpy road, but I got you. It's going to be a struggle, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be there with you. Um, but... Um, And so he tells you that it's going to be a struggle. But it also, the Bible also gives you instructions on how to get through those obstacles. And some people say, well, I am dealing with this, and you don't know what I'm going through. I may not know what you're going through, but the Bible knows and knows how to get through it. We talked, uh, I think it was on forgiveness in youth and Uh, There's a scripture. I can't think of what it is, but uh, it tells you that you may get tempted with certain things, but God gives you a way out on everything. And so it may feel like, oh, I've hit a challenge or I've hit an obstacle and I can't get through it. But the Bible says there's a way out. There's, and so. It's up to you to figure out, not to figure out because it's all in here, but it's up to you to open up this book and figure out, or not figure out, let me stop saying that, to read how to get through it and read those instructions. Because when you turn on your faith and do what the Bible tells you to do, you're going to get past it. And so, um, let me see. So, I have two different words that I want to talk about real quick. And my first word is courage. Like I've said throughout this whole time, it's going to be a struggle. Life is going to be life. You're going to hit the good times where you're up and you're happy, but then you're going to hit some times where you feel like everything that could go wrong went wrong. But draw, draw close to God. Because he's there with you. It talks about it in the Bible everywhere. That God is with us. Um, my next word is faith. Don't put your faith anywhere else besides God. Um, even when the odds are against you, God is still there. God is still going to hold those promises. God still holds... God held his promise for Sarah and gave her that kid that he promised them. So what I can get from that and what we can get from that is he's going to hold his promises for us. If he told us one thing, he's going to follow through with it. And so, but it's up to us to hold on to it. And you may feel like there's a big old giant in your way. And it may feel like you stepped over it but then there's another giant right there. And you may feel like it's the same giant that's coming, and it's coming. But if you hold those two words in and have courage to do it and uh, have courage to say, God, it may be a... um, What's the right word? What's the right word? It may be a struggle to get through it. It may feel like I'm bending, and I'm bending, and I'm close to breaking. It may feel like there's no way out, but I'm here to tell you there's a way out. And so, um, I know that there's a way out because God kept his promises with everyone else in the Bible. He kept his promise when he told Mary, hey, I'm gonna give you a baby and you're going to name it Jesus. He kept his promise with David and stood there with him the whole time and he defeated Goliath, right? He kept his promise with each person in the Bible, right? So I know that whenever I'm facing my giant, whatever that giant may be, it may be that my bank account doesn't look like it needs to look like. It may be that uh, the words that are getting put on me are not what the Bible says. It may be uh, peer pressure that's coming against me. It may be my physical health or my mental health that feels like it's an obstacle in my way. But once I know that, or once I put my faith in God and I know that he'll, oh my, let me slow down. So once I know that, once I put my faith in God and says, say, God, I trust you, and I know that you'll be there with me throughout it all, and I fully believe that, and I'm not like, well, God, I think you're going to get me through it. I think there's going to be a way out. And so I think it's pretty cool because before service, they played a song that said, if I have faith like a mustard seed, that mountain's going to move. So what I know is i got to have faith as a mustard seed, To get through my obstacle or to get through these challenges. And once I do, I know that they don't stay, they don't stand in my way. I know that they don't, they don't stand against me. Not because of my strength, not because of my might, because, but because I know that God is with me. And so, even if I'm all alone and I, feel like I don't have nobody by my side. I know I can stand on my word and know that oh, I don't like that. <laughs> um, I know that, uh, he'll be there for me throughout it all. Even when the odds are against me, I know he'll still be faithful to his promises. It may feel like my obstacles may not be a tall giant. But it may feel like it's one after another. It may feel like, okay, I got past peer pressure, but now people are talking down on me. People are telling me I'm not good enough to go speak to people. I'm not good enough to tell G- tell people that Jesus loves them. But I know that God is going to keep his promise, right? And so... Um, let me read this because I thought it was really good. Um, I put that he's my father and no good father would let their son deal with the storm alone. I will stand on his word and remember he hasn't failed me yet. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so just like everyone that we've talked about in the Bible today, he didn't, none of them failed. Because he kept his promise to him, right? So whenever he gives me a promise, I'm gonna hold on tight to it. I'm gonna have faith. I'm gonna have courage to get through it and see it come to pass, right? And so, um, um, yeah. So. If you can get anything from me, know that God is with you. God is on your side. If he told you to go one way, I promise you he's going to get you to that spot. Um, It may take a day. It may take a week, a month, a year, two two years. But he's going to get you there. We don't work on our time. Or he doesn't work on our time. He works on his time. And so, as long as we're faithful and we stay there and we do what he tells us that we need to do to get there, it's going to come to pass. Amen? All righty. I think I'm done. Good job.
1: Good job. Good job. Hallelujah. That was great, Nathan. And who doesn't like a, a, a visual to go along with your, right? I was just wanting him to just bust through that. I was going to read one additional thing that, um, Nathan, while you were talking, it came back to my memory. You know, how many of you guys are doing the uh, Bible reading plan? Keeping up with that, right? And we're in Romans right now, amen? Romans is like, woo, one of the best places you can be. And um, I was remembering, Nathan, while you were talking, it says this, if you'll turn, if you want to, turn to Romans chapter 4, and verse 18, Paul is writing this to the Romans, and and he's he's showing them how, uh, in the beginning of the book of Romans, he's showing them how, you know, the Jews thought they were somebody, and, and uh, they were so righteous, and all this, and then He told them how not righteous they were. And he proved it to them. And then he talked about the Gentiles and how they were not righteous either. But the Jews were even more not righteous, if you can say that, because they didn't have an excuse. They had the word. They had the scriptures. They had all of these um, tools that they should have been a lot more righteous than they were. And and in chapter 4, he starts calling some things out that, All these righteous Jews should have known these things. And um, here in verse 18, it says this, Nathan, what you were saying. It says, "Uh, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. Now, first of all, it had already been said to him, and so he believed it. It was said to him, so he believed it. He didn't, he didn't need to see it first. He just believed what was said to him. Right? He believed what was said to him. And what was said to him was, so shall your offspring be. And then verse 19, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Right, Nathan? That's what Nathan said. You know, he's, he's like, most people would have been like, dude, I'm 100 years old. Uh, you're 90 years old. This is, this is impossible. But it says, Abraham, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was 100 years old. Like, okay, so what? Right? And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Now, verse 20, I, w- I wish y'all would memorize it. Because it goes right with what Nathan said. Verse 20 is is Nathan's whole um, sermon in one verse. It says, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Right, Nathan? That's what you just preached, isn't it? He did not, it says, he did not waver. How? How do you waver? You waver through unbelief. You waver by not believing what the Word says. Right, Nathan? That's what Nathan just told us. you got to believe what this Word says. It says he did not waver through unbelief regarding what? The promises. The promises. If this Word says it, you can believe it, you can count on it, you can take it to the bank. Right? And all that, what Nathan was saying, that's just the world. That's the world. That's not the promises of God. There is a promise for all of Nathan's boxes right here. There's a promise that's greater than that, than that problem. Amen? Thank you, Nathan. That was amazing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We could go on and read the rest of uh, uh, chapter 4 if y'all want to. But uh, it just it just confirms what Nathan was saying about Abraham. Is that you can't be walking around here doubting. Do you think David walked up with that slingshot when he was about to face Goliath and says, Man, I sure hope this works. I mean, I don't know, but I'm going to give it a shot. Do you? No, what did he do? What did David do, Nathan? He believed, he believed, he believed, he believed, he believed, and that's what we're supposed to do, amen? Believe this word, hallelujah. Thank you, Nathan. How many of you enjoyed Nathan's message? Very good, very, very good, hallelujah. All right, well, we're going to pray, and uh, I want you guys to really... Come and encourage Nathan and tell him what you enjoyed about it and uh, give him some encouragement. Amen.